Welcome to the 57th edition of the Guna podcast, recorded immediately after the previous one on the Monday after Arsenal lost to West Brom, albeit separated by a rather filling Chinese takeaway. Thanks as ever to our sponsors, Gunashirts.com, the website for all your quality unofficial Arsenal t-shirt needs. I'm your host, David Udo, and still with me are Don Sebastiano, Kevin Witcher, and Tim Payton from the Arsenal Supporters Trust. So, to continue... Um, should we be encouraged by the club's accounts published the day before the West Brom game? I, I read in the Guardian that Arsenal fans will be delighted to uh, read that, safe in the knowledge that we weren't willing to spend more than thirty-six pence on a new goalkeeper. Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, we should be encouraged, but there's two important points here. One, financial results are only a means; it's the end that's important, and that's using them for something positive. And secondly, the, the results are very skewed by the success of the property development. And if you look within them, you'll see that the revenue we make from football business, match day, television and commercial, is only just covering the wage bill and the other day-to-day costs of running the club. So when the property boom, if you like, ends, the club is actually living bang on within its means. In a couple of years' time, when the property runs out, it has to improve its commercial function if it's really going to compete at the top level. It's a wage bill of £115 million almost. There's a lot of people or a lot of players earning a lot of money at Arsenal. Um, does that mean in, in, in a couple of years' time, once we've, we've maxed out the Highbury Square project, the, the Queensland Road project, um, are we going to see an increase in our already astronomical global leading ticket prices? I'd be surprised because I think they know they're as high as they can go. What it probably will mean is more opportunities to um, buy a further range of shirts with new logos on them. I think what you will definitely see, I predict, coming in from this year, the battle has been won with the manager, there will be a pre-season tour, which will be the globalisation of the Arsenalisation brand, (laughs) is is what Tom Fox and colleagues have been brought in for, and it will just, will it be the States or will they pick a new market? But they will start travelling. They know that they've got to increase the brand internationally so that when they replace the Emirates, when they try and do a new deal with Nike, they double the figures they're getting in there. Okay. Uh, Basti? Um, I'm a big fan of Corporation Arsenal. I'm just thinking... I just think we should become a state <laughs> agents, really. I don't see why we should bother playing football. One day, we'll just be this big company that with a, like some football team on the side. Uh, Kev, what, Kev, what do you think? Will you be <laughs> celebrating the open-top bus ride with a with a um, a great big check and a very smiley Ivan Gazidis? I wonder if uh, the uh, street vendors will be selling imitation uh, checks or something for the fans to wave from behind the metal barriers. Uh, um, I mean, I'm pleased that the the club is in rude health. You know, I mean, you know, let's let's be fair to the board. They have pulled off something which Liverpool and Tottenham have ambitions to do but are going to find almost impossible. Um, what's amazing is they've pulled it off with a little bit of smoke and mirrors in terms of the team because they've managed to smoke and mirrors. Continue, <laughs> continue selling out the stadium bunch of flowers <laughs> based on the potential of the side rather than anything they've actually given us. And... Um, I guess we are in the entertainment business now and, you know, it is entertaining watching Arsenal play but there are some fans who uh, would accept a slightly duller match day experience with the odd trophy thrown in. 
So, um, but that'd be so dull because the thing is, potential is so much more exciting. It's the anticipation. It's like you know, the anticipation of maybe scoring with a really beautiful bird is much better than just actually having a really beautiful bird. But you home. can do both because there's always, you know, always, even when you win things, there's the anticipation. You've no, got, you've we've got done the build winning up. Things. Winning things is you know, too, you, you, too you, obvious. You get, you get the foreplay. You know, both ways, whether or not there is, uh, you know, a sort of climax or not. Um, All you think about sex, isn't it? Well, it's, it's you, Bestie, because... No, wasn't you, you know, You're the one who said foreplay and climax. <laughs> your, your love life is so... Is so Checkered and, and interesting. It's not at all. And every time I look at your face, the same girl for a year and a quarter. All, all, all this reminds me of is the immortal John Cleese line in the uh, hideously underrated '80s comedy Clockwise, where he reveals the worst thing you can give a man is hope. Um, Tim, was there anything in particular in the, in the accounts that that caught your eye? I mean, I, I, I reviewed them myself over the weekend as I'm perennially single, and um, one of the things that struck me was. The, the money we've, we've taken in this year from player sales doesn't appear to be as high as I thought it would be. Is, is that due to um, instalment payment being, um, being prevalent throughout the, the, the modern game? Or No, that's because <clears throat> you've got to allow for Thomas Vermaelen and Andre Arshavin. We do tend to always say, oh, we sold two big players and forgot we bought two big players within that. That explains the player trading. And actually, looking forward to next year, and you'll have heard Wenger um, proclaim this two or three times, not selling Fabregas was a sign of the financial strength. And next year, we will show, well, I think it might, might be a couple of million pounds um, either way, but there won't be a profit from trading players in the figures next year, yet the club is more than strong enough that it doesn't have to think about any trading going on. Um, that the, perhaps one of the other interesting things to pick out from the figures is that for some reason this year, Arsenal fans flocked in their tens of thousands to sign up earlier than the year before. So the results are particularly strong because loads of people renewed before the 1st of June, which partly skews the figures. One thing a lot, a lot of people see these huge profits and think there's loads of money there. Profit, of course, isn't cash. What happens is they collect all the money from us on the 1st of June. So they have a huge amount in the bank when these accounts close. And then every month they have to whack a whole load of it into all these overpaid players' accounts. And each month the money goes down. So they take something like you know 40% of their ticket revenue on one day. And, and we see that as huge cash in the bank. Of course, it's got future, it's got IOUs to Seth Fabregas of like three million pound bonus. Thank you very much for not having Catalan DNA this year. <laughs> Can I just say something on a much more mundane <coughs> level? Oh, in answer to your next question, yes, I have. What you're going to ask me whether I've pressed the record button? No, it wasn't that. <laughs> it was. It was that you mentioned Arshavan. <laughs> And we just get rid of that, that song, including Adebayor, in Arshavan. So, I mean, I, you know, if I was Arshavan, that wouldn't really get me... No wonder he's not playing very well, or not very enthused, because, you know, if someone's singing Adebayor... I hate that song. I hate that song when Adebayor was with us, and I hate it now. Can we just get rid of that stupid... Beach Boys. What would really make it? The Beach Boys. It's Luke John Lee, isn't it? What would really make it? If we sung money, 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 and threw it at him, I think, from what I hear. Well, yeah. Although, according according to the um, the Chelsea branch of the the Metropolitan Police, can say bringing fake. They wouldn't want fake stuff. I've got it. So how about one that goes Andre Oshov Avin? He's having 
a laugh in a rich I'll tell man's you, I, world. I remember, I think it might have been... <laughs> he doesn't feel very rich. <laughs> it might have been Guna Podcast uh, 38 with, um, um, to the tune of Boney M's Rasputin. Yes, yes. Andre Arshavin, Arsenal's Russian goal machine. That was a good one. That's much better than all this had to buy all rubbish. Remember, I don't want kids. Word, to buy, I don't want to hear the word had to buy all. That can, uh, you know, I think we put far too much energy into hating people like Adebay or David Bentley and Ashley Cole. I think players like that should be treated with the disdain that we all show with William Gallas when he comes back. Ignore we them. just won't care. Yeah, That's how exciting the Talking of William Gallas. Yeah, on the subject of William Gallas, Basti, have you bumped into any Arsenal players in the Hampstead region recently? No, but I bumped into a Tottenham player and I walked past him in Church Road day before yesterday. No, was it yesterday? Anyway, no, was, uh, what day is it? I don't, I don't think know. it matters. Anyway, no, it was the day of the West Brom game, just before. And I saw him, he was walking up the road, and I walked past him, I thought, is that him? And he was wearing a, a, a New York Yankees top, and sort of, um, he was looking very kind of hip-hop, and he was walking up the road, and I saw him, I suddenly clocked him, I thought, oh God, it is William Gass, and we walked right past each other, just me and him alone in the street. And immediately, I, I sort of sneered a bit, I didn't say anything, I was sort of grimaced a bit and walked off. And then when he walked past, I thought, oh shit, why didn't I, great opportunity, just like, how did your team get on? <laughs> How'd your team get on the other night, William? And I forgot, and I did. I nearly ran back to ask him, but I thought that would be going a bit far. You know what I mean? But if I had that moment, have the team get on just as you pass. Oh. perfect seg- segue. Uh, sort of between between that issue. Just one more thing um, on the on the accounts um, <clears throat> with, with with Wenger's policy of playing weakened teams in the domestic cups. We've obviously seen us go to Tottenham, put in a hell of a hell of a display. Getting a, a hell of a result against uh, against them up the road with uh, with a lot of first team players in our team. Um, is he going to take the Carling Cup and the FA Cup more seriously? If so, what's brought about this change in policy? Is it a desire for silverware, or is it the the stark fact that with us able to generate up to three million pounds per home game, uh, the board would like us to play more home games? Tim. They're kind of linked, aren't they? You win the cups, you play more home games, you sell more merchandise. So probably keeps everybody happy. I don't think it's, a, don't think it's as cynical as that. But you can see the gap in the accounts from the five missing games. That includes the fact that the accountants would probably like you to come fourth in the champion in the Premier League, not third, because then you get the playoff game, which is worth £3 million plus some TV revenue that comes for it so you know arguably you could tell Arsenal come forth and you don't have to tour because <laughs> there's the money coming from that I think Keith Edelman was silently delighted that we didn't win the Champions League in 2006 what? because it would have triggered a load of bonus payments so <laughs> actually financially it profited the club the best position for the accountants is to come runners up in everything reach the finals <laughs> but don't win any of them don't have to pay those well, bloody that's why players we're so rich, isn't it? <laughs> we don't win anything but Bastion, a pure footballing level Guna to Guna how good was the win at White Hart Lane after, oh. after the commemorative DVD bollocks of well, three years ago I haven't been to White Hart Lane since uh, I've, I've been five times in my life and we've lost on every occasion apart from uh, was it 78 uh, the 5 nil. 80? 78. And I remember getting in there and I got, I got in late and I couldn't, was no, I couldn't get into the, the terrace bit. I couldn't get past the, the bar. Everyone was crammed in. And so I just stood on the end of it and everyone started doing the wanker salute to the Tottenham fans. So I joined in, being a little 14-year-old or whatever. Next thing I know, actually I was nine, I think. Anyway, anyway next thing I know, I'm in a half Nelson. This policeman's throwing me out the ground. So then I did the long walk home, uh, watched it on Match of the Day. Uh, and that was, that's how I watched the 5-0, having been in the ground, actually. Wasn't that Christmas out. Eve? 
It was December the 23rd. Merry Christmas, Bastard. Thank you very much. <laughs> but do you know what? It didn't matter because that five, it was worth it. I did a likely lad and didn't, you know, didn't know the score or anything, yeah, so yeah, I just yeah. watched it. And uh, apart from that, every time I've been there, we've lost mainly 2-1, I think. So I just don't go to White Hart Lane. So I watched it with a friend uh, who happened to be a Tottenham supporter. And he was very insistent that I watched this game. And I was like, oh, it's only the cup. What's it? Cup. Who cares? You know, and I really don't make that much time for it. But he insisted I went around and watched it. So I did. And I'm very glad I did because I actually found a sort of enthusiasm for the Carling Cup I didn't know <laughs> I had. Sort of uh, the first half. I mean, we... The lovely thing is that he coined the phrase bum rape, this Tottenham fan. He said, you have bum raped us, he said. <laughs> as I said I, there were a couple of other Tottenham fans there as well. And it was great. From that, from that moment on, we just, you know, it's just, it's bit, we needed that after that, that defeat, the horrid 5, was it 5-1, 5-0? Yeah, 5-1. Um, which we watched in the Bank of Friendship, didn't we? Yes. You know, it was a horrible <laughs> moment. Um, the, the Carling Cup means something when it's Tottenham, and uh, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed the week bumping into Tottenham fans and giving them, and you know, it's just, it's lovely. Uh, Newcastle away in the next round. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Um, mixed of, mixture of first team and, and squad players, is he going to go all out for the trophy? I haven't actually looked, how does it fit in alongside our other matches? Because I just suspect that the manager's sitting there, I was there the Tuesday night, it was brilliant, but if it costs the three points against West Brom, was it worth it? And if a manager's sitting there thinking that, will he have even more mixed thoughts? Maybe it is worth it, and maybe we should prioritise that a little bit more, get this young team over the line with a couple of trophies, mm. and then come back with a proper goalkeeper next year. But uh, Looking at the fixtures, it would appear that it comes on Wednesday the 27th, so immediately after the Man City game on the Sunday, away at um, Eastlands. Uh, it's West Ham at home on the Saturday. Following Wednesday, Shakhtar away, and the Sunday, we're up at Newcastle again. Well, and that's go. all with Almunia and Fabianski, isn't you know, it? That is a period when you'd really like to, you know, play the youngsters and, 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 and rest this overstretched first team, maybe. But I loved it, and I'm now, you know, I'm hooked. Let's win it. Mm. One more and win the quarterfinals. Mm. Well, the problem is Manchester United, <coughs> isn't it? Oh, yeah. There is the, still in it. There is the small matter of Manchester United winning mm. their trophy um, for another time. Um... Going on a complete tangent now, <coughs> because it's on the sheet in front of me. Um, apparently, over the course of the summer, club level was upgraded with new dining and drinking options. The club has, uh, has worked on to satisfy people who earn far much more money than myself. Kevin, have you been up? What do you reckon? Well, uh, Mini Kievs for a fiver? Yes, tell them how you've been. I, uh, <laughs> I went as a member of the Arsenal Supporters Trust. and uh, Occasionally they do things for the membership, such as... Um, have a, a good old poke round uh, the new facilities in club level, which they did uh, at the uh, early in September. Food and drink not included. No, <laughs> but I mean, what interested me about it was that they have spent a hell of a lot of money making uh, two restaurant areas and one bar area look very classy. Um, and you can see uh, one of the bars from outside at the the away entrance uh, where you've got some giants called of uh, arty pitches of uh, Arsenal players on the wall and um, I have interest is that, is that where the UEFA delegates sit during uh, Champions League games? well it is they, they do do their hospitality in that area and um, I mean the catering uh, money that is made <clears throat> is mostly actually kept by Delaware North because they have paid a fat amount of money a contract lasting a long time 
So I was initially um, a bit confused as to why Arsenal in, had invested a hell of a lot of money on, on what are very high quality facilities. Um, but I, it was Tim, I think, that explained to me that they do want to keep selling club level seats and they've got to provide something that is going to make people want to be in that particular area. I think it's even better news than that. The way they sell the package that includes the food is as a licence. And by selling it as an extended licence of your seat, it basically gets round the clause, which means that it all goes to Delaware. So they found a way of constructing how they describe the ticket. I think Delaware have had some uplift, but Arsenal were collecting 85% of it type thing. Right. So, you know, to make it even more worthwhile for them. But it's also part of the offering, isn't it, to renew, because renewing is about the experience between one and six o'clock. So yeah. I, I, personally, I'm, I'm a bit of an old North Bank boy. I prefer a bit of well, I mean, bovril, I'd like... bit of bovril and, a, and a really bad-tasting pie. And, and, and have to queue for it. And remember the, the old North Bank we used to go there? And yeah. to, we should for hours. Bring, get, bring back get rubbish there. food. You could <laughs> not get in there, could you? And, so, and, so, and you know, by the time you got out, it was, oh, God, remember that, all that shuffling? And I do, I do. But what, what my hope is, is that the, the actual way that the, 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 let's say the Arsenal art thing has been incorporated into these plush areas... Uh, is extended to um, the drinking areas of uh, the other concourses because there's a lot of things they could do on the walls, uh, which they're doing. Well, you think there'll be a trickle effect? I think there will. They said they will. They will like the carpet on the on the lower tiers. Well, they won't go that far. No, no, well, they've got to spend the money on something and they're committed to investing about 4% of revenues per year in the stadium. (laughs) Why don't we spend it on players? No, that would be much too logical. I'm sure we're going to heat the seats one day. Yeah, let's heat the seats and have (laughs) carpets everywhere and a a team that doesn't win anything. Can I get my heat seated with the money generated from my £40 plaque I can have put on my seat? Seriously, I understand they'll be selling art. Arsenal branded old rope as of Christmas. Well, 11,000 people have bought a brick but stuck to the floor. <laughs> including <laughs> including myself. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shame, Mr. Payton. What does yours say there? Uh, it says Percy Udo, uh, 1913 to 1991. A tribute to, a tribute your... to my grandfather. Right. Oh, yeah. if, it was, if it wasn't for him, I would be a Clapton Orient fan. So thanks, Percy. Mm. Fuck you. <laughs> right. So... Um, on the, uh, has club level sold out this year out of interest, Tim? Yes, it did sell out. They had to work harder at it. They brought in a team of salespeople, yeah. um, but it has sold out. I don't think there's a, there is a bigger problem with club level. The, the, the plus is the revenue it brings in. It helps to create the income for the wage bill, hopefully can be spent well by a manager with a squad who want to see. But it's bringing in a type of person that doesn't use a ticket for every game, so the empty seats, that doesn't make the same kind of noise and atmosphere that we want. And the club are aware of this and thinking about this, that they bring in great money, but they're not necessarily creating a stadium atmosphere that they want. And they've got to work harder on how they move tickets on, on how they deal with that. But if someone offers you £10,000 for a seat for the year, Keith Edelman said it out front to me, didn't give a fuck whether they were sitting there or not. <laughs> he got the money, they paid, they could choose whether or not to come. I mean, absolutely right. And I mean, one of the reasons I am not a critic of club level and the boxers is because the income they provide does actually stop the club from attempting to increase the seat prices of the upper and lower tiers much as you may think they're already too expensive. But 
without club level, they would certainly have a go at pushing them a bit. Um, I, I, it's a necessary evil, and obviously you don't expect great support from, from that tier, but if they're paying the money, then they are making a contribution, and it's up to the lower and upper tiers, the guys in the cheap seats, to to get behind the team. They shouldn't be relying on, on cheap. the people well, in the middle. Cheap seats? Are there cheap seats? Well, I'm talking metaphorically. The relatively, cheaper, cheaper Relatively seats. cheap, yeah. as opposed to cheap. Yeah. Right. Because I don't see anything cheap at Arsenal anymore. Well, I mean, I've oh, been... the Guna, of course. No, you well, can course, buy the Guna, Guna for two uh, Just two pounds. And it's very good value. I think I think that the kids' concession tickets are quite good value. How much are they? They're, they're 13 or 14 quid. And what, if you've got there are kids, nine of could, them. Do, do, there are nine of them. If you've got them. a kid, can you go with your kid? You, then you have to pay £33. You pay £33. As so, an adult. So it's not really worth having a kid just to get in cheap. Uh, <laughs> if, if it should be a lot of kidnappings in North London, oh. couldn't it? <laughs> no, it's just something. It's just something I mean, I've been a year and a, a quarter well, you with can the same get, girl, you can get, so, you know. You can get £33 seats elsewhere in the ground if you could. I'll get them off you, Kev. Well, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie McCann's going to turn up as an Arsenal fan somewhere later <laughs> down the line. Um, we can or, or we can choose to include that or not. Um, one of the most entertaining... Um, Evenings the last 18 months came at last year's shareholders Q&A when open questions were invited from the floor and some of us um, £1,200 a year season ticket holders deigned to question the manager's judgment on um, a few different things. This year, I understand, was a, was a slightly different uh, setup where questions were pre-submitted um, and from the outside looking in, I, I was fearful it would be another uh, um, uh, Arsenal Wenger jollification uh, exercise. Tim, you went. Uh, what's it all about? It was a lot lower key than the year before, but in terms of being stage managed, it, it wasn't at all. Every, I know every single question that was submitted was asked, whatever the question. And the questions included, I, I paraphrase, but why haven't you done anything about the goalkeepers? The current ones are rubbish. Why don't you spend more money? You've got it. Why don't you focus more on winning in the cups? Why have we got such an awful injury record? All these questions were put. And they were put by the people that had asked them, why won't you tour? Isn't the commercial revenue important? All of these questions were put. What I think had happened was the manager had been given some Valium before he came in and told, <laughs> and told to take it all lower key. And he did what he did at his press conference, which was just ignore the parts of the questions he didn't really want to answer. <laughs> um, and in one or two cases, make up an answer, including, I think, when challenged on the overseas tour by the Arsenal Supporters Trust, which is important for the commercial revenue, started to quote us as the FIFA directive that said that players must have four weeks holiday. Subsequent research. <laughs> shown that there's no such directive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Arsene thinks there is um, so was it stage managed no and I would say to the I know some people are saying oh it'll all be a waste of time but that's the usual kind of outside of you you could put your question you could go in and they were put but did you hear anything that you hadn't already heard in his answers then no you didn't I'd be more interested to see if they take uh, questions from the floor at the um Arsenal Holdings AGM in October because um, that's when you can get a few mavericks and potentially more interesting challenges whether or not it'll happen I mean every AGM seems to be different as the, the format often changes but uh, it would be nice if, especially if we do as some of us think we were in the next couple of games because um, it's not too far away it's only the third Thursday in October 
It'll be interesting to see what the reaction is to the manager then. What's that happened to um, David Dean and Red and White Holdings and all that? Well, they still have uh, a good old chunk of the club, but uh, they're up to twenty eight point nine percent now. Is that about right, Tim? They're about almost about twenty seven point nine nine percent. They have nothing to do with David Dean. I had caught up for lunch with David a couple of weeks ago. He is totally focused on the World Cup bid. Oh yeah, which is a pity because I think we miss David Dean. I think we do a lot. He still he spent the whole month in South Africa giving Arsenal a lift in the private plane that he'd hired with the money that he'd made, no doubt, from selling his Arsenal <laughs> shares, so he could fly around all the World Cup games glad-handing and giving an Arsene a, a lift on the way round the tournament. Mm. When the bid is won or lost, then David will have a bit more time on his hands. Will he become the chairman of the FA, which is what I think he'd really like to do, or will he go back to having more time whispering to Arsene over the garden fence which goalkeeper he should be buying? Well, I think see, the thing is about David Dean, he, he's, he's an Arsenal man. There's no totally. question about it, because I remember a few years ago, I was in a pub in Hampstead, the Duke of Hamilton, and he walks in um, with someone, and, and I just thought, my God, he's walked in my local. I can say, the Dean's walked in my local. What's he doing here? And so I, I sort of pulled him up, and I was wearing an Arsenal top, and he came, actually, well, he came up to me and said, oh, he said, hello, bastard. No, he said, no, it wasn't quite like that, but he just sort of, uh, in the end, he said, look, I'm going to come back and talk to you in a minute. I've just got to talk to this guy. And he came back, and he said, listen, I'd really like to, could you write me something about what we want to get some more as we were a hybrid at the time want to get some more atmosphere going I ended up writing him this seven page report on like <laughs> everything how to get a hybrid at, uh, atmosphere at Highbury and uh, never heard that from him but never mind <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just interject from a purely pers- point of personal interest um, in regards to the World Cup bid um, I have a theory that FIFA is a corrupt organisation <laughs> and QED Russia will win the bid do you, do you have any thoughts on that, Tim, as someone who's a mover and shaker in these kind of circles? To what? the background tune of From Russia <laughs> with love. <laughs> World Cup bids are notorious for having to have good relationships with the 24 people who make the votes. I'm not close enough to know exactly how it works. English football, if you like... Um, does its backhanders openly, which is it sends coaches and referees to countries it takes its, who, who can vote. It takes its team to play. Why is the England um, end-of-season friendly in Thailand this year? <laughs> One of the 24 votes is there. Why did they go um, to the Caribbean last year where Jack Warner resides? That is, if you like, is the open way of playing the game within the system. Mm. I think if the bid is awarded to the most competent country that would host it superbly, deliver a lot of money for FIFA to reinvest in the game, it will come to England. If they want to go for this kind of final frontier, and Russia can do something, which is put a map up and show a huge gap in a bit of the world that the World Cup's never been to, a bit like Rio could for the Olympic Games, then you could say that it's it's Russia's turn. Um, I think it's going to be very close. But having got David Dean in, interestingly replacing a Tottenham supporting chairman Lord Treesman has given a huge boost to the bid because what David Dean can do is walk into any room of the world power brokers in football and they all know him and like him he can shake their hands and immediately start telling them what Thierry told him yesterday when he phoned up for a chat 
and it makes that difference. What did he tell him when he phoned him yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> but what? So, but could it? Would it be good for Arsenal to have David Dean? I mean, he is an Arsenal man. No, it's not. It's not going to happen unless oh. Danny Fisman leaves the scene. I no, mean, what I mean to have David Dean as top dog at the FA. Uh, well, it's not going to happen either. I mean, right. so, well, the, the regulatory function of VFA is quasi-independent. Of course, for years people felt when David Dean was vice chairman <laughs> that everything from the fixture list through to well, we the referees. Yes, things seem to go away. Then, do you know what I mean? What I'm saying is, just by having an Arsenal man there, does it somehow do the vibes get good? You know. It's only consolation, I do know Alistair McLean, the general the counsel at the FA, and I've been asking for a job for about eight years. I'm trying, guys, but you know, as I did with uh, with Svenja, Arsenal's general counsel, I've unfortunately scuppered my chance of getting a grown up job in football through my criticisms of the FA and Arsenal board via this publication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do they listen? I've got Ali as well. Hello, Ali. Do referees psychologically start going, oh, you know, well, maybe we won't, we'll give them the rub of the green a bit more. Where it does work, I don't think it works there, but is things like knowing how to play the transfer market, knowing all the top people at the other clubs to get a good loan deal through, working out how you bring players, for instance, better, out of South America, into Europe, get the work permit and into the UK. I well, do, David Dean was great at that. Exactly, that was yeah. my point. He knew yeah. the football world, he knew yeah. how to make it work. He knew the rules and how to bend them but not break them. Mm. He was, he's been a real loss to Arsenal, no doubt. Yeah. Kevin, you're, shaking, you're, you're nodding your head in agreement. However, I, I've read the best-selling Arsenal and making of a modern super club, and that, that view's not uh, still available uh, through most... Um, been reprinted. Been re- Really? Yeah. Eighth edition now of um, <laughs> Arsenal, the making one super club. Oh, it's on the reading list of all new Arsenal executives. I don't <laughs> That's the book to read. <laughs> Well, well this is blowing um, Kev's street cred totally, but when he you know, likes to be a bit of a rebel, Arsenal will never invite me to anything. Oh, I'm the bogey man. Turns up to a charity dinner I was at invited. Bob Wilson. You were invited to it, and you end up sitting next to Tom Fox and expecting, uh, oh, we can't have anything to do with Laguna. What does Tom say? Oh, I love your publication. It's a great read. It's really important the club has something like that. The man knows how to play a crowd. There's no <laughs> question about that. I think he's an American of very you high places. establishment. Kevin. <laughs> he, he also knows where you live, Skip. Also knows where you live, I'm sure. Because at the time Barry Hearn remembered my name, I was scared shitless. Um, of course, another way to get into such events as the, the club's charity dinner and the shareholders' QA is the recently launched Arsenal fan share scheme, um, which, as I'm sure we've all seen on match day, is, is, is one of the few um, fan facing initiatives favoured and backed by the club, with, um, with it taking advertising space on our revolving screens. However, it's it's coming from some criticism. Um, the Guardian, uh, I remember, referred to it as uh, the worst investment anyone can make with entry fees and exit fees and um, you controlling a portion of a club that's set to be bought by an American or an Uzbek anytime soon. Um, Tim, the fan share scheme. Um, brilliant on the first day. Within a week, everyone's slating it. What's it really like? Oh, it's gone really, really well. I've picked, let me pick up that Guardian bit. That was in the Guardian money pages where they write about whether or not something is a good investment. We're not telling people to buy Arsenal shares to make money. We're telling people to buy Arsenal shares because they love the club and they want to be custodians in it. Supporters should own more of their club. Then they can stop clubs being speculated with, stop people coming in and assets stripping them, stop people coming in and taking out all the interest payments and dividends like Hicks and Gillette are doing, like Glazer are doing. 
Um, it, you know, we have, if anything, Fanshare has struggled in its first month to meet the demand. We've now got more Fanshare members than there are shareholders in the club. That doesn't equate to the financial power. It equates to the number of people. Now, obviously, cynical people are saying, oh, you need hundreds of thousands of people to make a difference. Well, we don't think we're going to own the club. That's not the intention. But if we get a few more people coming in and owning shares, we might one day have that crucial 10% to stop someone taking it private. We think as an absolute fundamental principle, Arsenal is too important to be owned by any one person. You can stop it going private at 10%. At 25%, you can stop the EGM that could change the articles. Someone want to change its name to London Arsenal or Worldwide it's Arsenal. Better than Emirates for, for, Arsenal, for, isn't it? For this, for this branding exercise. So... And what we will have at the AGM, and, and you know, Kevin's referred to the chance to ch- challenge, but we will have fan share members at the AGM you know, later in the month, able to hold the club to account, see what's going on, ask questions, and hear about the financial results. So it's been a huge step forward, and most of the major commentators, from Henry Winter to David Conn to the government to UEFA to the Premier League, have all praised it as being, I think we're going to see more and more football clubs in England go that way, partly as a reaction to how badly ownership has gone in places like Manchester United and Liverpool. Basti, you're, a, you're a, uh, you know, uh, a traditional 70s to 80s gooner, I'd say. You're a, um, uh, a left-winger in every sense of the word. Power to no, the only on the football pitch. <laughs> uh, hang on. You were Hampstead College's B-team goalkeeper. I know this from times gone past. Um, will you be investing in the Arsenal fan share scheme, or are you slightly sceptical, as your man on the street fan? <laughs> I will not be investing in the Arsenal fan share scheme. Uh, I don't have any shares. I'm not a shareholder kind of guy, to be honest with you. I, if, I rather, if I've got a bit of money spare, I'd rather put it into a project, something creative I'm going to do, and I'm, I, I know what, where it's going. And if I lose it, I lose it. That's my, I balls up. You know, I, 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 I don't think. Uh, what, I don't know. Uh, it's not for me. It's not it's something. A, it's a symbolic investment. I, I think you know. The, the, it's like you are able to buy a share in Manchester United or Celtic. How much because, is one? Well, well, I mean, the point of, of a normal share in these clubs, that they, they do cost like £100 or something. You can't buy an Arsenal share because they're ten grand. So, in a way, instead of buying a share, you, you, you buy a symbolic little piece of the ownership. The guy who owns a full share in Celtic or Man United has about as much power as a fan share owner in my book. There isn't actually a lot of difference. So it's a way for people to feel like they they own a little bit of the club. Mm. You know, it's it's a certificate on the wall. It's it's just like you, you, you say, Okay, you know, I want this little thing, it's worth a hundred pounds. I mean obviously some pe- some people will actually save towards an actual genuine share, you know, just just as on the never never, it's a way of just saying, Okay, I want to own a share one day, I'm just gonna drip feed into this so that one day it'll come up. Other people will buy one fan share and that'll be it. They'll be happy with it. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely an emotional investment and not a financial one. Um, and I think it's sound. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any illusions about what you're buying into here. Um, you're owning a very, very small bit of Arsenal, but you're owning a bit of Arsenal. So you do become... A part owner. It's probably better value than a shirt, like the twelfth shirt you bought or whatever. And and, and how much was that brick that you? Oh, the brick. Uh, The brick was about fifty quid. Well, there you go. For for two bricks, 
you get you actually get a part share of Arsenal, which is full of value. Well, gives you a voting right every year at the AGM, gives you a chance to attend that AGM, gets you some financial update from the club. So I, you know, actually, it's well, two, ma- two match day right, yeah. for two match day tickets. And if we could get eleven thousand members, like people who bought bricks. Or if we could get the 180,000 members of Arsenal to all have one, we're actually suddenly quite significant mm. in the number of shares they own collectively. And you might be able to, you know, we, are, we shouldn't take for granted the situation we have at Arsenal where we can be involved like this. All right, where do I get one? <laughs> <laughs> Arsenalfanshare.com. And how, how, many, how many places have you managed to get uh, for the AGM? We're still actually um, working with a club to come through on that, but I'm hoping we'll get 100 places or so to bring, you know, a good number to, to bring people in. And actually the first tangible benefit of joining came through um, on Friday when Ivan Gazidis emailed every fan share member with a financial update, you know, even before it was released to the markets. And so they were fully abreast of what was going on, just like shareholders got. But back to the, what the Guardian said, is it is when you when you buy one, you've got to pay an entry fee and an well, exit fee? Well, you pay um, £20 for your membership, which is a bit like joining the scheme, which includes getting your certificate, getting your account set up. Right. And then you pay any contribution you make into the fan share fund, you pay a 2% management fee on just like you pay your many financial right, so services. so if you just get one it's 102 quid. You pay, you, yeah, so in a, in a, if you put £100 in, £98 will go towards buying the shares oh, and £2 is the cost of it. So it's not it's not any great rip-off at all. The, the main reason we put the £50 exit fee, if you leave you pay a £50 exit fee, was to try and stop people playing the market <laughs> by coming in and, oh, it's gone up, the shares have gone up. Five percent. I'll come out now. Right. Get well, hundred and five pounds back. Well, they can. Well, they can come out, but it won't be worth it because they'll have to pay that fifty pound fee. So it was to try and actually promote stability mm. and not have it as a um, you know an investment thing where you're where you're riding the price of Arsenal shares every mm. week. Yeah. We're into the last two minutes, so uh, I've got three questions left to ask, and I want one word or very brief answers from all of you. Um, over the course of this season, our defence will be made up of people from Poland, Spain, France, England, uh, and I'm sure many other nationalities. Um, which language they use to communicate on the pitch and screen, keeper's ball or away? Tim Payton. It's French, isn't it? Basti. Well, yeah, because one's Polish and French, so he can speak. Polish and French. It's not really Polish, is it? Kev? Uh, it depends who's talking to who. The defence will communicate in French. When the keeper's involved, they will communicate in English. Hence, indecision. What, are, you, are you serious? They don't all talk English? On my the understanding was that Wenger tried to encourage all his players to speak English on the pitch. Yeah, of course they have to. You've got four French-speaking guys on, along the back four. They're going to communicate in French. You should speak whatever comes quickest to mind, and some of them don't seem to be doing that at the moment. Maybe we need Esperanto lessons. Well, what's, what's Jack <laughs> Wilshire going to do when someone says, well, it's like that. That's not going to help him much, is it? Teach him what Allais means. But doesn't the defence have to like get in contact with the defensive midfield occasionally? Well, they're French. Yeah, well, 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 well frankly, midfield to itself then. Lauren Koscielny, is he Pascal Seagan in disguise? Kevin Witcher. Uh, he needs to lose a bit more hair, so I guess he is in disguise. No, no, I think it's too early to. I, th- I think there's a lot of encouraging things we've seen about the guy, and I think he's definitely worth um, a few months before we condemn him. Tim, he's, he looks okay, but. 
probably now Arsenal should be signing world class central defenders when that issue comes up rather than someone who who you know may may grow into one but I think he's going to prove to be a, a perfectly fine Premier League player but maybe a, an Almunia central defender rather than the class that Gallus had when he was on form he's, he's coming as Koscielny and after a year under Wenger he's going to be Sagan and he's going to leave as Stepanovs <laughs> Uh, and finally, uh, we've spoken previously in light of the West Brom game of, um, you know, what, what a disaster it's in. You know, we were struggling to motivate this, gre- this, this group of um, famous international millionaire playboys. Um, could a different manager get more out of this squad of players? Kevin Witcher. I'm beginning to think that is now possible because although they're all Wenger's uh, prospects, I, I do worry that... He he can't motivate them in the way that's required. So I think there are managers who could take the club further now. Tim, I do. Every game is next game is a huge game in football. Every season is judgment. But I do think if we're going to lose Fabregas this summer, who is so central to the Wenger project, and in effect you're going to have some big money to spend again, but a manager who doesn't like spending it, you do start to raise the question you would even have thought of a couple of years ago about whether that's the time to have someone else to be in charge of the next stage of where the club goes. Bastic? How many years have we been sitting here saying one more year for Wenger? You know, um... I, I think the extended contract is like a golden handshake. I think the board are fully prepared to actually call it a day and just give them a good payoff. All I know is that in every contract negotiation gone by, it's got to the end of September, the end of October. So I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this. It'll be fine. It will sort itself out. You know, I just don't want to affect the players. I want to see if Barcelona are interested. But no, it's fine. I'll sign it. I'll sign it. All I know is he signed whatever bit of paper they put in front of him, <laughs> and I'm sure it got filled out later. So to finish. There's just time for the usual reminder that our email address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And if you've got any ideas for new chance, email them in. We'll have a crack at them next time around. Thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. And a reminder that the next issue of the Guna, the third one this season, will be on sale at the Birmingham match on the third weekend in October. And if you can't make the game, it's also available from the Guna shop section on onlineguna.com. We'll be back at the beginning of October. And until then, my thanks to the panel, Kevin. Goodbye. Basti. Au revoir. And Mr. Tim Payton. See you later. This is David Udo. We hope you've enjoyed listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly good company. Way.